Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome one and all again to the First Baptist Church here in Coleraine. We're so thankful that you are listening wherever you are watching some of you. We're going to uh, shortly be going to be reading the first five verses in the 13th chapter, the final chapter in the book of Hebrews. The title of this message is called Biblical Behavior. Biblical Behavior. In this final chapter, uh, the writer of Hebrews, uh, he refers to many different subjects. This is why I've got to break it up, this whole chapter. There's many different subjects that he refers to and also some very practical advice on how believers can and should live their lives in this world that is opposed to biblical standards of morality. Now, many people in this world, in this modern world, this culture of ours, they've laid aside the only foundation for moral behavior. And that foundation for moral behavior is the Word of God, the Bible. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, all Scripture. Uh, many people believe, the majority believe, that the Bible is uh, old-fashioned, it's uh, irrelevant today, and many are just going along with the culture and uh, thinking that's okay, and they disregard what the Word of God has to say. But, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The Bible isn't irrelevant. It's not out of date. It's very much up to date, and it's eternal and will never pass away. So let's read those five verses, or Joe will, in uh, chapter 13. Good morning. Keeping in loving each other as brothers, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels. Without knowing it, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all of the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Praise be to God. 
Thank you very much. Let's have a word of prayer just before we begin. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here. We thank you for those that are listening and watching some. And we just pray that they would take this uh, word, this message that we have prepared for each one of us to take it to heart and to apply it in our lives and give us the guidance and the courage to do what it says in Jesus' name. Amen. It tells us to uh, love one another. The Bible is full of uh, guidelines, yes, commandments, and nobody likes to be told what to do. But the Bible is full of commandments, not just the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, but many commandments. And the only way we can keep the commandments is by receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior, who gives us the power to keep those commandments. So, amen? We are told, we are commanded to love one another. First John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life. That's what happens when you become a Christian. You pass from death to life. Because we love the brethren, so there's the proof. And it says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. So the proof of the pudding is in the eating. If you're truly saved, then you'll love the family of God, men and women, boys and girls in the family of God. That's the evidence that we are saved. Amen. It says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. All right. And it says that keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Keep on doing it. In other words, let brotherly love continue. Brotherly love is the natural outflow after being saved. You can only truly love people once you receive Jesus, who is love. Once having been adopted into the family of God by receiving him. And when this writer reminds his readers to keep on loving one another, maybe there was a lack of love towards one another. Perhaps their love had grown cold associating with people who got on their nerves. Can you relate? The church is made up of very different personalities. Each one of us is different. God has made us that way. Each snowflake is different, all right? Every planet, every star is different. Every individual person is different. We're unique, coming from different backgrounds, cultures, and we all have different interests. And some people just get on your nerves. You know, it's easy to love some people. Some people are more easier to love than others, like me. So you hate me already, sorry. Whereas some, some others are, are harder to love. Have you, come, have you experienced that? Some people are harder to love. But God's love is not based on our personal likes or dislikes. It's a command based on our relationship with Jesus Christ, who tells us to love one another. He also said in John... 1335, by this, that's loving one another, 
all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Right? So that's all believers that see us loving each other is a tremendous testimony of the love of Christ who is in us. That's what spoke to me as an unbeliever when I, went, I was invited to church. I didn't want to go. I didn't want anything to do with it. I had no problem with Jesus. I believed in God. But I didn't want to do that church stuff. That's okay for them, but that's not for me. But I went, the friend, he invited me to come. We became friends. And that's what we should be doing. We should make friends with unbelievers and invite them to church and keep on inviting them. And you never know, they may be standing up here in a few years. And uh, I went and the, I, the, there was a love between the people that I couldn't understand as an unbeliever, but I knew whatever it was, I wanted that as well. And by the grace of God, I got it. Okay, so there's the command. There's the first subject. There's another subject he changes. Uh, the subject of hospitality. In verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I wonder if we have. Well, it says that we do. Our first responsibility is to love God and our fellow believers, but it doesn't end there. Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves. And who is our neighbors? Guy that lives next door? No, everybody. And one way to show our love for other people is to be hospitable, hospitable. Believers should offer hospitality, not just towards fellow believers, but also unbelievers. Invite them round for a meal or something like that and get to know them personally. Not only because it's the right thing to do, but also that they can come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That's the whole purpose. That act of friendship, you reach out to people. We will never know how far-reaching a simple act of kindness may lead. Plus, we might be entertaining angels unaware. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you just never know. So be careful how you treat people. It might be an angel. Now the subject is changed again in verse 3. We're told to remember to pray for those who are incarcerated. In other words, those in prison, those that are in jail. And we often do that more often than not when we pray together on Sunday morning. We pray for those in prison. Amen? Especially for those that are incarcerated or being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. We are to pray for those that are being mistreated. And that was mentioned again this morning. Those Christians that are suffering and being brutally mistreated and murdered for their faith in Christ in China and Afghanistan and places like that. We are to pray for them and to remember to pray for them because knowing that if we were in their situation and lived in those countries, 
where we would be the ones that are being persecuted and mistreated and incarcerated. So we need to remember to pray for them. Again, the subject has changed. This time it's about marriage, the subject of marriage. In verse 4, marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. God instituted marriage between a man and a woman back in the Garden of Eden. And this is why it says a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now when this letter was written, there were two schools of thought associated with marriage. One was the view that celibacy was somehow superior to marriage being more spiritual, you know, by abstaining from sex, uh, it made them more spiritual, okay? That's what celibacy means, abstaining from sex. Now, the other view, which is most common and getting commoner in our modern culture, was the belief that everyone had the right to do whatever made them feel good without the commitment to marry. Do whatever you want without the commitment to marry. So that's why in verse 4 the writer presents another biblical theme which is common through the New Testament in other books of the Bible. The importance of sexual purity. This is why the institution of marriage was created by God. In the modern world, uh, sexual sins are brushed aside as minor or irrelevant. It's just common, that's just what you do. Now, few urges are as universal as sex, and that's God created men and women, and he created sex, and it's a beautiful thing. If it's done in the right order, in the right way, it's crucial for believers to maintain a godly, healthy approach to sexuality. Because, you know, the freedom that uh, they try to promote in schools, just to have sex with any, anybody, anytime, uh, it has consequences. It has dire consequences. They don't talk about the sexually transmitted diseases. They don't talk about getting AIDS and things like that. So there are consequences of being unfaithful. Few urges uh, are so common today, but this includes faithfulness within marriage, faithfulness within the marriage relationship to be... Uh, faithful to one partner, as well as abstaining from sex until married. Abstaining from sex until married. Very uncommon thing to do today. But 
anyone who publicly expresses the belief in the sanctity of marriage being an honorable thing between a man and a woman, what you do, you open yourself up to criticism and abuse and even hostility, all right? So don't shoot the messenger. It's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. To quote what the Bible says about sexual sin, coming under the judgment of God, is to be branded intolerant and unloving. I've been accused of that myself. But if we really love people, we'll tell them the truth, which is exactly what the Bible warns us about in verse 4. And it would be remiss of me not to preach it and teach what it says. It's not my opinion, it's what the Bible says. But people think that the Bible is irrelevant and it's out of date and it, it, it's not the word of God. Yes, it is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And then we have a choice to either to obey it or not to obey it. But if we disobey it, then there's consequences. In verse 4, the latter half there, it says, For God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. All the sexually immoral. I am not people's judge. God is. We are not people's judge. God is. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Is that clear? Can't get clearer than that. And the point to remember from all that is that God views infidelity as wrong. And there are consequences for those who violate his commands. God is trying to protect us, not to do us harm. He's trying to protect people from um, sexually transmitted diseases and AIDS and things like that. And uh, the consequences are dire. You can't just do your own thing as a Christian. If you do, there'll be consequences to pay as a result. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 24. In verse 2, it says, Therefore God gave them over to sinful desires. That's sexual immorality. Of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. You're not saying that the Bible is not up to date. It is. And it's, it's as relevant today as it was first written. Because God doesn't change. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. 
Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women uh, and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, which they don't, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Is the Bible up to date or isn't it? Absolutely. No question. So the call for us Christians is to demonstrate that we are different to those who choose to violate God's moral standards. And like, there's a lot of preachers and famous preachers that are going along with the culture and embracing it all, thinking that the Bible is irrelevant. They don't say the Bible says. The Bible says. They'll say Jesus said, or Paul says, or John says. They won't say the Bible says. Andy Stanley, I'll call him out now. The son of the great guy that's just passed away, his dad, Charles Stanley. He's another one. It just goes along with the culture, not what the Bible says. Let's just go along with the culture to fit in and accept everybody and to love every. Yes, we are to love everybody, but we're not to compromise what the word of God says, and that's what he does, so be careful. Not just him but many others as well. We are to be different compared to those that violate God's moral standard. The Bible, we are called to be pure. We are called to be holy. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, we have... We cannot give, it says, any appearance of evil. You don't give the appearance of evil because it's a bad testimony to our faith in Jesus Christ. And when I got saved, I'll tell you now, 
because that was a different life. I was living with a woman, <laughs> and I wasn't married to her. And we lived together for about 10 years. And I, I didn't believe in marriage. That was for them. You know, my parents were divorced. And my sister was divorced. And I thought, what's the point of getting married? We can just live together. And I was unsaved. I didn't know any better. But then I got saved. And it was as though I was in a state of grace. Okay? And there was nothing going on between us intimately in that relationship, but we were still living together. And there I was on a Sunday. Got my big honking Bible, big enough to choke a horse. And going off to church, and my neighbors could see me there. Oh, there goes Holy Joe. But he's still living with that girl, even though there was nothing going on between us intimately. But they didn't know that. So I went to see the pastor. And he pointed that verse out to me. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it says, give no appearance of evil. He wasn't condemning me. He wasn't saying I was a sinner and I was wrong and I was, shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. He showed me the verse. And God spoke to me. Yes, I didn't realize that. I'm given the appearance of evil. And I said, well, what do I do now then? He said, with God, all things are possible. And within a month, I was living in the house that was owned by the church that was set up for Christian young men. I was still seeing my lady friend because she was a friend. But after a while, we went our separate ways because I was following Jesus and she didn't, okay? And I haven't regretted it ever since. I met the love of my life, Denise. But you gotta put the word into practice. Do what it says. And if you don't, all of us will give an account. So having said all that, I'm sure it's very popular for many to hear that. He changes the subject again regarding uh, money and contentment. Now, some people think you're going to find contentment if you have more money. No, it'll just buy you more things. Now, some people think, oh, yes, I could get more contentment the more money I get. Wake up, look at the people, so many, famous, rich and famous, that have committed suicide. They've got everything that money can buy, but they don't have true peace. And it says in verse 5, be content with what you have. Are we? What do you want more? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, neither will I ever forsake you. And that's a wonderful promise from God. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Now the Bible doesn't contem condemn those who are rich and the Bible does not condemn those 
who have money and the Bible does not condemn money. But the love of money, you see, the love of money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Why? Because they love money more than they love God. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. Doesn't mean keep yourself free from money. We all need money. You know, we're not living in a, a bartering society. We need money. So Christians are to be content with what God has given to us. And he has given us everything. Amen. He's given us everything. He gave us his son. The greatest thing they could ever give. His son. The Lord Jesus. Who died on a cross for us. Who suffered and died. What more could he do? That should be enough. But again, today's society, today's culture tells us that self is most important. Our self-image, our self-esteem, our self-acceptance, and our self-fulfillment. That's what it's all about. Me, me, me. But true contentment does not come from self-fulfillment, but through discovering the treasures that Jesus Christ opens up to us when we surrender our lives to him in obedience to his commands. Obedience to his commands. And I'll close with this. And let's remember what Jesus said. In the Bible. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. There's no locks on, on the doors in, in your mansion in heaven. Because there's no thieves up there. Nor thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's our hearts today? Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, some of these things are not easy to relay, but it needs to be said because it's in your word and we're not going to avoid it. It needs to be said. It has been said. Now, help us, we pray, by your spirit. Give us the courage 
to make the decisions to obey what you tell us to do. Some being harder than others, like loving our neighbors as ourselves. That doesn't come naturally at all. And also to be content with what we have. We always seem to want more, we're never satisfied. But we can find true contentment by putting you first. Seek you first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you very much for tuning in and watching, wherever you are, especially those uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. Just give us a thumbs up, a like, and subscribe to our channel, First Baptist Church Coleraine. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.